this show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. I'm your host, Derek Howard, Comic Book Noise. You can be found at comicbooknoise.com. It's part of the Deliberate Noise Network. For more details, please go to deliberatenoise.com. If you'd like to send feedback, you can email me. My email address is derekbizdrek at comicbooknoise.com. Or you can call the audio comment line at 734-331-0772. If you would also like to... Uh, help contribute to the show um, financially instead of just feedback wise go ahead uh, and go to comicbooknoise.com on your desktop over to the right hand side of the screen is a uh, section where you can um, donate by PayPal um, Alphonic Minutes or uh, by becoming a patron um, like the people who are patrons, who, <laughs> you know who you are, because, uh, quite frankly, I forgot to write it down again. <clears throat> Sorry. But my, my patrons hopefully know that, um, I appreciate them and all that they have done. And, um, I hope to also be able to do more, um, patron-only episodes, because uh, I've actually laxed on that. If you think that the that the, the, the schedule for the regular show has been um, intermittent, the uh, patrons are really getting screwed. <clears throat> anyway, let me shut my damn full mouth as I go on. All right. Um, I actually planned on doing this episode on a Friday. I had my notes written out. Um, had them ready to go. I even specifically put my notes someplace where I would see them as I left, right? And then right before I left, I put my laptop on that same place and covered up my notes and completely forgot about it when I ran out the door. So, um, that's all just to let you know that I'm bragging that I actually took notes this time around. The uh, first book that I'm going to talk very briefly about is a... I don't know if it's self-published or not, because I forgot to look at the publisher now. It's a book called Cul-de-Sac. It is by Andrew J. Shaw and Will Platon. Platon. Um, Andrew J. Shaw is, a, uh, is the writer. Um, Will Platon does artwork. Now, Andrew is also the person I talked about on the last episode when I mentioned uh, Savage Dragon. Um, and this is the book that, that he has put out. And I'll tell you right now, you see, his his letter to um, Eric Larson in uh, Savage Dragon basically said, you know, do you, basically he was just saying, do you see working on Savage Dragon a step down from working you know, because, you know, he used to work on Spider-Man and 
um, Aquaman, Doom Patrol, all these, all these um, books, and then now you're just doing Savage Dragon. Um, and you know, Andrew was just saying, you know, do, don't you consider it to be sort of a, um, a step down? And um, Eric Larson basically explained it. No, this is what I've always dreamed about doing, and I get to do it on a monthly basis. Um, you know, he'd rather work for himself than do somebody else's on somebody else's um, characters, right? Which, let's face it, at this point could be considered fan fiction, you know, because a lot of the people who write these characters write them because they're fans of them. So that's why you get a whole bunch of <clears throat> not a whole bunch, but you get a lot of really crazy um, things that are just, you know fan service and they're not even for usually the current fans but they're for fans of a certain area era you know let me just shut up about that the reason i bring that up is because as i'm reading cul-de-sac which is um an australian horror story that's how it's it's place and it all takes that's how it's um described um and it all takes place in a uh and you know, one cul-de-sac in Australia in the 1950s. And um, as I'm looking at, I I look at it the way that I do a lot of other indie books, um, you know, self-published or otherwise. I try to see um, if this is an original story or if this was just, you know something that was uh, basically uh, Fifty Shades of Grey where they took their ideas for um, a, uh, a, a an existing property and just reworked it because that's what Fifty Shades of Grey was it was like a uh, BDSM version of Twilight uh, just reworked and boom there you go and if you read Twilight and then you read Fifty Shades of Grey, I've heard that you can see the the sort of similarities, but um, I haven't read either, so yeah. I can't talk too much shit about them, you know. But there are times when I'll read a comic book and I'm like, huh, this seems like it was a Batman story, <laughs> or huh, this <laughs> seems like it was a a, a, um, a Daredevil story. And they just took out, you know, the superhero side. Um, for example, Mark Wade had a book called uh, Potter's Field that I swear to you, it just seemed like a modern day uptelling of uh, the shadow to me. I mean, that's just how it seemed. It seemed like the shadow. And there, there are other times where, um, you know, a lot of like, uh, uh, Mark Millar, a lot of his stories, they seem like to be reworking. It's like, what was that one? I think it was called Superior. No, not Superior. Oh, God, the guy with the cape, who seemed like, a, you know, people said he seemed like, a, you know, basically an evil Batman, but to me, he seemed more like, you know, Grendel with a cape. Um, anyway, so I was reading Cold the Second, I was trying to see that. Um, and I didn't see it. It seemed to me like a like an original story. And it's not just an original story. It's a um, it's an anthology. So these are like 
five or six shorter stories that take place on this one block, you know, and it's, it's weird, it's, um, I'm not gonna say EC Comics-like, because <coughs> I didn't get a, a, an EC Comics vibe, you know, there wasn't, um, let me just say that there wasn't a gratuitous pushing of the envelope, okay, how's that, um, Andrew and Will tell some really frightening stories, you know, um, and it all just seems to work, you know, um, I would recommend picking this book up if you are a uh, horror fan, you know, um, but I will tell you it's not, um, it's not a comic book the way you would think it is. It's first off, there's no pencil art. It's all paintings, and you know, paintings are really good. Um, there was nothing that really took me out of the story because it starts off with the fantastic, and it it pretty much ends, you know, fantastically, um, and it works all the way through, you know. Uh, so yeah, I, I would recommend picking it up. I liked it. And, um, I think that if you are a comic book noise reader, that you would like it as well. I do not have the, um, the, uh, oh, what's it called? The, uh, address, uh, the, the website. Shit. I'm trying to drive and think, you know, no, am I? No, I'm just driving and talking. So I just need to, uh slow down and let my words uh, spew out of my face, you know. Anyway, I don't have the website. I will have it in the show notes, if I remember. If not, just email me and I'll get it to you, okay? Anyway, um, the second thing that I would like to talk about... Oh, yeah, Man of Steel, one through six. Uh, And I realize that this is probably been talked to death on other comic book podcasts, but, um, I'm so far behind on my listening that I don't know if any of the comic book podcasts that I listen to, um, have talked about it, so I'm going to, you know, um, first of all, I want to say that I like Brian Michael Bendis's work, uh, up to a point, <laughs> you know, uh, and I'll talk about that when I get to the end. I'm trying to think if I'm going to spoil this. There may be minor spoilers. Um, but like I said, this, this book has been out for a few months already. Uh, it was a weekly thing. from DC Comics, of course. It's all about uh, Superman. And this is the introduction to Bendis on Superman. Not necessarily a... <clears throat> a reintroduction of Superman like the original Man of Steel was when uh, John Byrne took the book over back in, what, 85? 85, 86? Okay, I can't remember. Um, that one, he took the Silver Age Superman, um, the pre-crisis Superman, I should say, who was probably the most powerful comic book character ever because this guy could move planets and stuff like that, which 
the new one can. Um, he took him and he depowered him and he uh, reworked his origin, reworked a lot of concepts that uh, have shown their way into um, <clears throat> TV shows and movies since then, but were, and I think a lot of people forget this, were like a really drastic reworking, especially his Krypton stuff. Um, John Byrne took Krypton away from being like this uh, this high tech almost magical place and uh, populated it with people you know people who I don't know how to describe it it's just like the um, old the old um, Krypton the pre-crisis Krypton had this sense of uh, fun to it before, you know, it was doomed. Um, which, you know, just before he he, he uh, shut the book on the character, um, Alan Moore, uh, <laughs> he, with his, uh, the, the man who has everything, he's shown that, yeah, you know what, Krypton may not have, if Krypton had been going the way it was, it may not have turned out to be a good place, you know. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. That was a post-crisis shit. What am I talking about? Or was it pre-crisis? Fuck, I can't remember now. Uh, Jason Todd was there, so it was probably pre-crisis. I do not recall, so I'm going to move on because it's not coming into the storm. Anyway, um, this is actually three different storylines, right? Um, And one of them is what really... I think soured a lot of people on the book. The few things that I have heard about it have been, you know, on um, on social media, and they didn't exactly spoil things. But once I got to that point, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, now that's what they're talking about. Um, three different storylines. One of them was there's this uh, guy whose name I can't remember. I want to say Moloch Ball, but I know that's not it. That's the guy from um, <clears throat> from the, uh, uh, the Elder Scrolls. Yes, this a killer named Rogal Zar or Zur. I can't remember. Handwriting shitty. Um, he wants to kill all the rain, remaining Kryptonians. This is something that uh, <laughs> the the destruction of Krypton has been very. Um, confusing. You know, originally there were uh, inst- there was uh, instability in the planet's core, and that's why it blew up. And I think that like, there was like something called the Black Dawn. You know, um, radicals who set the bomb off, set off a bunch of bombs that, that destroyed the planet, and now this particular version uh Zur or Zul he um he's the one who destroyed Krypton so I'm really not sure why Krypton's gone all I know is that Krypton is gone um and this guy is taking credit for it and he was just wandering around um aimlessly after he destroyed it until he found out that there were some surviving Kryptonians on earth so and you know what? I am going to spoil shit. Sorry. Um, being who he is, he decided to go to Earth, 
fight the Kryptonians and kill them. Okay? He doesn't start with Superman and Supergirl. Okay? He starts with the shrunken city of Kandor, um, which was in the, um, the Fortress of Solitude. Somehow Zor found it, because probably because he was looking for uh, Kryptonian technology. He went there, um, pretty much just tore up the place, you know, destroyed um, the robots, the robot guards, destroyed um, the statues of Lara and uh, Jor-El, and then he found the um, the city of Kandor and killed everyone there. He smashed it, killed everybody, and yeah, he's well on his way. Which, to me, the problem with Kandor is that it has always taken away from Superman's uh, uniqueness as the last son of Krypton. Okay, yes, he's the last son of Krypton. Unless you consider the the Kandorians, where there's like a couple of hundred, if not thousands, of them all shrunk down. You know. Um. Yeah. So that's storyline number one because the two of them have to fight. And this guy is he's a, he's if he truly is a planet killer. Um which they kind of left that part to me ambiguous, right? It's like we see that he's strong. We see that he has this bomb that can go into the uh the core of a planet and um presumably blow it up, but we never actually see him do it. So, even though he's taking credit, I don't really know. That's why I'm saying the whole thing about Krypton is um, up in the air. Uh, the second storyline was this myste- this mystery surrounding um, where Lois and um, Jonathan Kent are. Now, Jonathan Kent is Superman's son. Um, not the fa- not his father, but his, his son. And they're gone. And they're they're pretty much gone in one one scene. Okay? But that scene is stretched out among the entire six issues. <coughs> you know, so it's like they'll show one page and then you know, the, the one or two pages of shit set. And then, like, the next issue, they'll pick up right where they left off or they'll just have an overlap. So they, as you're reading it, they're giving you a little bit more information. Sort of like Memento, only without going backwards, basically. And that's all done by Jason Tabak. Um, there are, like, I want to say five or six different um, artists on this title. But Tabak is the only guy who's in each issue, you know. Um, which you know, I, I I like that because a lot of the there was nobody who was like a really drastic jump, right? Um, I know Ivan Rice was uh, one of the artists. Um, uh, Doc Shaner, Steve Rude, those guys all have very similar styles, and it wasn't like you know you go through them and all of a sudden you get a Paul Pope. Or Bill Sienkiewicz, you know, totally different 
um, art style wise from those guys. So everybody that they showed was about the same style. You know, it's not. I'm not gonna say it was a house style or anything, but it was. It was, it was pretty close, right? I mean, that storyline. It um, it answers where those two characters are. It answers why Clark has been sort of mopey. Um, Clark, not Superman. Um, yeah. And, uh, the last one is the one that I'm pretty sure upset a lot of people. It was, there's a series of arsons going on in, um, Metropolis, you know, and there's no clue, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's very little to go on, they can't find out who's doing it, they even brought in Batman from Gotham to try and, uh, help work at, work on this, they introduced a, a new deputy chief, um, for the fire department, who seems like a really good character, and if Superman wasn't married, I could see them teasing sort of like a, a, a love story between the two, between uh, Superman and this person, not Clark, but Superman. Um, luckily, I, I really hope they don't go in that direction, though, because um, this, like I said, this, uh, this woman is a really good character. She doesn't come off as flighty. She doesn't come off as, um, oh God, a professional hostage. <laughs> you know, she seems like she's written very well, like well thought out character. Um, but, and this is the ending that to the entire series, the entire series, which was pretty good up to this point, ended with a cliffhanger. The deputy chief on the very last page of the thing is standing there and some little kid comes in and he says who do I talk to about the fires because I saw who did it you know it was Superman boom that's how it ends you know and next I guess you're supposed to read either Superman or Action Comics whichever one that um then this is taken over to get the rest of the story right and a lot of people didn't like that cliffhanger and I totally agree with them and this is the one thing I do not like about um, Brian Michael Bendis on Big Events, okay? Um, over at Marvel, a lot of stuff, a lot of really, real big key points did not happen in the regular series. Um, so you'd have to hunt out where the rest of the story is. Um, <clears throat> but, and I realize this is not his fault, this is what he's been given. But it just seems like every big event that he works on doesn't have a final resolution. It's always open-ended, you know. Um, and I don't mind somebody leaving, you know, open questions because you know, because there's still open questions like what happens to the Zor guy, you know, um, what did he really do, you know, what's going on with his adventures of Lois and um, and Jonathan Kent, right? But those are things that make you want to come back for more, you know? You read this, and it's up to the reader. Do I want to come back for more or not, based on what they've said, right? Um, that's one thing. But with this kind of cliffhanger, they're basically saying, yeah, you've been following us for six years, but if you want to get the payoff, you have to come back. 
And it's just like, just tell the, just complete the story. You know, I read just these six issues. I read them all at once. So to me, it would be just like if I had read a, um, a trade paperback, you know? It's like I would got to the last page and I would have been like, what the hell is going on here? You know, but I don't know. They just don't see it. And Bendis, like I said, he gets he gets stuck with stuff like that all the time where it's like, hey, this is only chapter this one and a story that's going to take forever to tell. But the rest to get in order to get the rest of chapters, you got to go over here. It's like, oh, come on, man. And I don't, I don't know. You know, a lot of people like to complain about um, J. Michael Straczynski um, and his endings. Because his endings always seem a little rushed. Uh, you know, it'll take forever to stretch out a point. And then when he gets there, boom, wrap it up in a couple pages, you know. Um, there's this book a long time ago. Uh, there's a book, uh, David Eddings, I think it was called The Galarian saga I read it and all I remember is I'm reading I'm reading I'm reading and they wrapped up everything big final battle and all the happy ever afters in like four pages at the very end of the fifth book and that's what it seems like they do to me a lot with Straczynski um but with Bendis you know he always gets the the the, the ending the, the, the Halloween ending, basically, where, or the ending to Carrie, where, no, not Carrie exactly, but, you know, everything is all done, everything should be all set, let's move on to the next story, oh, wait a minute, here's a hand coming out of the ground, you know, anyway, um, I am here at work, uh, what did I say, yeah, I dislike the ending because it was a cliffhanger one, wasn't needed, they didn't need that, they really didn't need it. You know, um, <clears throat> to me, it was sort of a waste of that whole storyline if they weren't going to have a payoff. But yeah, like I said, they do that a lot to Bendis. All right. Last thing I want to talk about is uh, Spawn. I got caught up on uh, Spawn over the weekend. And I'm going to talk very briefly. <clears throat> Spawn is one of those books when I see it on my pull list, um, I'm always like, why is it still here? You know, it's like, I don't even want to read this book anymore. But then when I actually sit down and read it, I'm always pissed that I don't have another issue because I enjoy what I read. Does that make sense? Because there are TV shows out there where I watch them. Like, why is this still on the DVR? Then I watch, oh, yeah, that's why it's on the DVR. You know? But then when I go back to second them, it's like, yeah, I thought I got rid of this. Oh, no, I didn't. Let me watch it. Anymore. Oh, yeah, I forgot how good this was. And that's how it is with Spawn, right? Um, my friend uh, Mike Myers has been reading a lot of early Spawn. Um, I think he's in the like the late forties, fifties of his reading right now, and I'm in like the two somethings. Um, so we're at very drastic different <laughs> eras of Spawn, and we're both really digging it. You know, um, I don't think that I will be taking Spawn off my pull list anytime soon because, like I said, I'm enjoying it. Every time I sit down and read it, I enjoy it. Um, another book that I've been enjoying is Archie by Archie Comics, the, the Mark Wade version. And I don't know. I think it's done. 
it seemed like there was a big payoff, like there was the ending. Um, and then Archie always has the, the covers, including all of the variant covers for the next issue. But this time they had, you know, the next issue was like, was it Archie 1941, which is a miniseries, which I actually have no interest in. But anyway, um, right now I am at work, so I am done making a lot of noise, a lot of comic book noise. Take it easy.